Welcome to Harvest Valley Worship Center's Sermon of the Week. You can discover more about our church, pastors, and special guests at hvwc.com. We hope that you are blessed by today's message. Welcome to Harvest Valley Worship Center. Uh, We are a refuge for healing and a... Woo, look at that. Giddy up. Launchpad for transformation. Um, I'm excited to be in our second week in the series on the culture of honor. Uh, I, I believe that this is a huge opportunity for us to grow and be upgraded in how we do relationship with one another. How many of you don't like drama? Okay. Kim loves drama. She's like, nope, I'm loving it. I'm loving it. I'm loving it, right? Uh Uh-huh, right? So drama um, is something that none of us enjoy, I don't think. Anna says, "Uh uh-uh, right? So, So often drama is all about me getting what I want or making a big kerfuffle because I didn't get what I wanted. I don't think that's a legal term, but... Okay. All right. I'll take your I'll take your your, your word on that, Lois. Um, we wanna we wanna discover how do we do relationships in a manner that honors each other, honors the Lord, and actually provides um, a, a environment and a place where we are living free. Right? We discover freedom. We're living in freedom. How many of you know that when you are free, you're powerful? When you're free, you get to make decisions. When you're free, you're not bound to what everyone else thinks and does. That's nice. Okay. All right. I feel like everybody's a little tired this morning. Is the heat wearing you guys out? All right. The heat's wearing you out. See, now, right right now is usually when I make everybody do the hokey pokey, but I'll I'll, I'll wait. Um, I want to review last week's bullet points. Um, These are a few key points to the culture of honor. Um, Accurately acknowledging who people are will position us to give them what they deserve and receive the gift of who they are in our lives. If we can accurately acknowledge who you are and what you are in my life, I can now receive the fullness of the gift of who you are, right? Otherwise, what we often are doing is in dishonor, I'm putting expectations on how you should act and behave and do in order for me to receive who you are. We're not really free. We're still bound. But if I can accurately acknowledge, now there's some freedom to receive the gift of who you are. Leaders lead with honor by courageously, now let me tell you, it's courageous, courageously treating people according to the name God gives them. We want to treat people according to what God says about you, not your latest behavior problem. Not your latest drama. Leaders want to be able, should courageously treat people according to the names that God gives them, not according to the aliases that have given, been given to you by other people. Maybe your trauma, wounds, history, bad experience, parents, teachers, friends, your first ex-girlfriend, all the words spoken over you. No, we are not going to treat you in the same way that all the other people have spoken over you. We want to treat you the way that God sees you. And it takes courage to do that. 
We believe that a culture of honor will build strength into its people because we are free. And we are fulfilling all of the roles and callings that God has given us. A culture of honor will build strength into its people. I believe we're called to be strong, powerful people in the body of Christ. We are not called to be anemic. We are not called to skip leg day. For all you workout people, you know, you got some people that are just huge up here and they're spindly. They got no legs, right? Because they, they're looking jacked up top, but they forgot, right? Because leg days are hard, right? So we don't want to be out of balance. We don't want to be out of proportion. We actually want to be fully strong people in how we do life, how we do relationships, the way that we interact between leadership right? How we respond to leaders and the way that we respond to people that we are serving. It has to be done with such a high level of honor that creates strength in people, okay? Now, I want to talk today about control versus freedom. I just put the, put the points up there um, and let's see. Okay, created and trust. Okay, great. <laughs> Honor requires free people to be able to make free choices. Honor requires free people to make free choices. The trick here is to create environments that allow for freedom and also provide security and protections of those freedoms. I want you guys to hear me. We have to create environments that allow for freedom and, say and, also provides security and protections of those freedoms. Thomas Jefferson, of course, is credited with saying that free people are the most difficult to lead. Free, and just you, Lois. Free people are the most difficult to lead. See, the church has been classically involved with promising freedom, right? We promise freedom, but then... We show that our God is more of a cruel taskmaster than a God of freedom. We we force people into performance to make them look right, smell right, act right, do right, live right, do all this stuff. This is how it all is supposed to be. And And so we begin to implement God as a cruel taskmaster instead of giving you the freedom to choose what you're going to do. When you enter an environment of controlling church leadership, it creates a culture where success is based on performance and the ability to please leaders. I've had a feeling I might be repeating, so. (laughs) When you enter an environment of controlling church leadership, it creates a culture where success is based on performance and the ability to please leaders. In order to lead free people, we must establish environments in which they can gain freedom, and we need a governmental structure, governments, which does what? Provides boundaries, right? A government will provide boundary, okay? Legal, illegal, 
right? Okay, boundaries, right? So what we have to do in order to lead free people, we must establish environments in which they can gain freedom and governments by which they can keep their freedom. I'm going to mess with the religious spirit in this room today. And I'm going to mess with your perverted pride. Here's the deal, church. We don't understand honor in this place because we have elevated our opinion above God's. We all are the judge of whether or not this is honorable or not. Forget what God says, I'm the judge. So we're going we're gonna to go after some of that today, hopefully more gentle than I just was. But I want to be direct and I want to be clear. Like, listen, God wants to work on our hearts because he wants to do a thing that hasn't been done in this region. And we are battling a regional stronghold. And guess where the regional stronghold sits? In our hearts. It sits in us. If you're not willing to work at this with us, I'll see you in a couple months. If you're not willing to do the work with us to humble yourself, to walk into freedom and understand honor well, if this is grating on you so hard, even the fact that I'm willing to confront it verbally, if you're like, this doesn't feel good, this doesn't feel right, you're free to do whatever in the world you want to do. You have absolute freedom. I believe that you are here to be set free, and I believe that we are all here together to walk through it together, to find freedom together, to walk this out together, to learn together, to be vulnerable and open with one another, going, I had a hard time with that word. Ah, That was rough. I don't like it, but I'm willing. Amen, hallelujah, right? I'm willing to do that with you. Amen? Amen. So I hope that you're on the boat. I hope that you're willing to go with us. But what we're going to go into is going to combat the way that you view yourself and the way that you view the people around you. Because oftentimes the problems and the chaos and the drama and the the issues that we have is because we have such a lack of honor for the people around us. And God wants to break that off of the body of Christ. And he needs a group of people who are willing to be the tip of the spear to create a culture of revival in this place. And I'm telling you that when we get honor, revival is coming. When we understand how to honor people in their sin, when you are no longer afraid of sin and what sin is going to do, and you can honor people in their failures where they're at, they will get set free. But we got to figure this out for the body of Christ if we're going to see revival. So can we, can we just all come together and say, yeah, we're going to try? Can we just try together to figure, figure this thing out? Are you guys with me? Okay. Uh, praise God for that because um, for me, this is my heart's cry. Like the Lord gave us three, gave me three things for this year that we had to go after. We have to go after some things. And the first one was about our communication with the Father. We've got to get our prayer life better, which is why we've spent, spent eight, nine weeks on the Lord's Prayer, just diving into that. If you haven't watched it, it's all available on YouTube. Go see it. So you can just, 
you can go to the sermons page on our website, click on power on the, uh, praying with power and all of them will come up. Find the one you missed and watch it, you know, whatever. It, we make everything easily available for you to stay caught up with what we're doing. If you missed last week, you can watch that as well. Here's the thing. This series is to combat the Jezebel spirit. There is a spirit that wants to bring intimidation to the prophets. There is a spirit that wants to keep your mouth shut when it comes to what God is saying and what God is doing. There is a spirit at work that wants to raise up with control and with manipulation and with withholding love, all of those things in order to get its way in your life. We are a powerful people who can honor and obey God every single step of the way. Would you agree with that? Okay, so what we are going to do is we are going to uproot from our hearts that spirit that wants to lay hold of us to create division and strife in the body of Christ, to try and shut people up, don't speak into my life, attitudes, that kind of thing. Right, we're gonna go. Ha- I I feel like there is no time time to just play around with this stuff. So are you guys okay if we just take an axe at the root? Okay. All right. I just feel like I need to explain where some of my passion is coming from here. Um, this is much bigger. This is a much bigger thing. And and the church is getting healthy enough. We're getting to that place where we can actually do some of this deeper work. And we're going to be okay and know that you love one another and that we're, you know, if it's like, man, we're struggling or having a hard time, we can, we can turn to each other, right? Hopefully, you can turn to one another and receive comfort and encouragement that you need. Hopefully, you can be honest about your failures and walk in that much humility to say, man, this was a struggle for me. I'm having a hard time with this. I love those phone calls. I love the questions. I like it when people are like, I don't get what you're doing. I love those conversations because usually God's working something, right? We got to figure it out. Praise God. That's awesome. Okay. All right. So governments are to create boundaries to protect freedom. Here, I want to ask you some some key questions concerning freedom in a culture of honor as a ecclesia, not just as a church, but as the big picture So how do we create freedom without more rules? That's a good question. How do we do that? How do we create more freedom without adding rules? How can we bring out the best in human beings and keep their best in mind, even as we deal with their problems and their shortcomings? How can we deal with people's failures and keep their best in mind while dealing with their failures and shortcomings? Here's another question. Can we empower others and release them to live from their best natures and from the truest reasons why they are alive? Can we empower people to be fully who God called them to be, to be their best self, to live from the true freedom that God has given them? Can we empower people to do that? I believe that we're supposed to. Here's another question. Will we take on the responsibility to becoming proficient, becoming good enough at 
drawing out the dreams and the destinies of the people that we lead. Each of you, I will say this, John Maxwell says that leadership is influence. Parents, you're the primary influencers in your children's lives. You might not think you are because of their age. You're still a primary influencer in their life, okay? You have influence at work. You have influence with your peers. John Maxwell says that leadership is influence. Where do you have influence? Every one of you has influence in this body. So how will we take on the responsibility to become proficient at drawing out the dreams and destinies of the people that we're influencing? Imagine how dynamic this environment becomes when our number one focus is finding out your dream and your destiny and figuring out how to empower you to get there. What if each of you was focused on how do I support others instead of myself? What if you showed up on Sunday instead of, I'm so empty, I need to get full, came coming full and ready to find out how can I serve and how can I give and how can I help other people reach their destiny? What can I do to help them become who God called them to be? Guys, it'll require a lifestyle change at some point, right? Because the minute that you start taking this stuff seriously, God will change your world. You just aren't going to be able to keep doing the same things that you've always done because he wants to produce a different result. Okay. So the reality is that we are created and entrusted with freedom by God. You know, last week I I read this quote from C.S. Lewis from Mere, Mere Christianity. I'm going to read it again real quick. God created things which had free will. That means creatures which can go wrong or right. Some people think they can imagine a creature which was free but had no possibility of going wrong but I can't. If a thing is free to be good, it's also free to be bad. Free will is what has made evil possible. Why then did God give them free will? Because free will, though it makes evil possible, is also the only thing that makes possible any love or goodness or joy worth having. A world of automata, of creatures that work like machines would hardly be worth creating. The happiness which God designs for his higher creatures is the happiness of being freely, voluntarily united to him and to each other in an ecstasy of love and delight compared with which the most rapturous love between a man and a woman on this earth is mere milk and water. And for that, they've got to be free. Of course, God knew what would happen if they used their freedom the wrong way. Apparently, He thought it worth the risk. So one of the questions that we have to ask is, can we balance freedom with rules in the ecclesia? I'm going to read Galatians 5.1. It says, it is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm then and do not let yourselves be burdened again by a yoke of slavery, right? So Christ came to set us free. We know that in Luke 4 that we talked about last week. Galatians 5, 16 through 18 says, So I say, walk by the Spirit. You will not gratify the desires of the flesh, for the flesh desires what is contrary to the Spirit, and the Spirit what is contrary to the flesh. They are in conflict with each other, so that they are not, so that you are not to do whatever you want. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. Of course, uh, many have felt like the church is a yoke of slavery,
putting people under the law. But in fact, God designed a way to give structure with freedom. Did you know that? God inherently designed a way to create structure that allows for freedom. Do you know what that structure is called? Church. The ecclesia. The body of Christ is the tool through which God established on the earth to provide safety and freedom and structure. Okay? God established the authority and government of the ecclesia, giving structures for the health of the body of Christ. So how, does he, how do we do that? Well, the authority and the government of ecclesia gives, and you know, Paul was great. He would give guidance and he would give correction and he would give structures for the health of the body, right? All, every time he put a boundary up, it was for their health, right? Like, uh, you guys can't allow that. That's not healthy, right? So when there was an excess or there was some type of behavior going on that he's like, uh, that's not good. He would put up a boundary and say, don't do that. Do it this way, right? So he would provide structures. And we see a whole slew of verses here. 1 Corinthians 4 and 12, Ephesians chapter 4, uh, Hebrews chapter 13, 1 and 2 Timothy, Titus. We've got many, many more places where Paul specifically talks about structure in the church, right? He's like, hey, there's some structure. Jesus did not give us, uh, when, you, when you build my church, I'm going to have this structure. Why? Because it's about freedom. See, Jesus understood, and everyone else understood, that the ecclesia has in its, inherently in itself authority. Because we are God's people, there is, there is an inherent authority that we walk in, okay? The key here is that if these structures are without the proper view of free will and faith in God, it can lead to the wrong outcomes, right? So if these structures, if these structures are without the proper view of free will and faith in God, they lead to the wrong outcomes. And we've all seen that, right? So let's talk about this real quick. The one word that is most risky in a, in a faith-filled environment is that word, risk, right? Like we have to deal with risk, okay? See, because in order to have faith, we spell faith R-I-S-K, right? In order to have faith, because we have to have faith and we have to have free will, which requires that I take a risk on Kevin. I take a risk on Lori. I take a risk on Catherine. As a leader, I'm taking a risk on you. As people who are, are not in the authority governmental structure as far as carrying authority in the church at uh, the level that God has given me. And we'll talk about these levels in, in just a minute. But it, it takes a huge amount of faith and risk for you to trust me. And you're free to not trust me just as much as you are free to trust me. Okay? So we've got to look at, at what are the risks that we're taking. Well, we need to risk the threat of misused freedom. What if somebody takes that freedom and they abuse it? What if they take their freedom and they misuse it? 
What if they take the freedom that they have and they begin to control and they begin to manipulate and they begin to withhold love and, and do all these passive aggressive or aggressive? We're going to spend a whole week on communication styles. It's going to be fun. But, but there, there's a lot of ways that we can try and get our way and we abuse the freedom that God has given us, right? So when people sin, that's an abuse of freedom. So we also have to take this risk with leadership misusing their influence, and that's usually control, right? See, now, the difference between confidence and arrogance is gratitude, okay? Because you can be very confident. If you stay grateful, you stay humble and grateful, you're not going to become arrogant, but you can become confident, right? God wants you confident and powerful, so stay grateful, right? But as leaders... If I'm more interested in the outcome than your heart, I'll control you more than I will support you and, follow, and, and find out what you need. Now, there are certain boundaries that we put in place for the sake of safety. So if you're not a member of the church and you haven't worked with, with, with a, you don't get to play an instrument on the platform. It's a boundary. Just a boundary, just there, okay? Um, if you aren't a member, you don't get to be on the serve team that works with little kids. Every single member gets a background check. We protect our children. That's a boundary. Do you guys get that? It's a boundary. It's a safety issue, right? We don't just give anybody the microphone on any given Sunday. We, like, like, listen, Kevin, Mika, me, Dennis, John, Lois, Colleen, Micah, the core team, that senior leadership of this church has to tune into what the Holy Spirit's doing in a moment to say yes or no for what the Lord wants to do in that given moment. That's a boundary. And it's really hard for people sometimes when you're like, no, not today. I had a guy put his finger in my chest, you can't hear God, because I wouldn't let him say something. I said, well, that's why. You're not saying a word. That's why. That spirit you're bringing, nope. I'm not putting that on the platform. Are you kidding? I just have to listen to what the Holy Spirit's saying, right? That was years ago. Still in good relationship with them. Why? Because we went right past that, back into what's important. They were having a rough day, and they felt like they had the word of the Lord, but they wanted to skewer some people in the spirit. So we said, no, you don't get to do that here. Why? Boundaries are for safety. Are you guys with me? Okay. So the other thing that we got to deal with is the failure of broken people's free choices. When, when people fail and they sin, or they, we, it's a risk to deal with the fallout of it. Ugh. Man, it can be hard when people make really big, messy mistakes. I've received the phone call of a husband who had a moral failure and had the affair and vice versa. Right? We've, we've, we've had all the crazy things go on and it breaks your heart. Are we free to not control them? 
but instead give them the freedom to make some choices differently and maybe provide them with some boundary, but give them the freedom to choose what they're going to do and let God work in them and let God move in them? Or do I need to control? Now I need to dictatorially control their behavior now because I don't trust them, so therefore you got to do everything I say. Right? These are hard questions. These are all risks. Right? But we have a choice. Are we going to choose freedom or are we not going to choose freedom? Right? So we must resist fear in our culture and we must extend trust to God and to people. Do you know heaven highly values freedom and yet heaven has a government? We are going to rule and reign in heaven. Heaven has a government. Okay? Isn't that, heaven is not a free for all. It's got structure, just like everywhere else. This is how God set it up, right? So we must value the purpose of freedom, right? Which we know is love, right? The value and purpose of freedom is love, right? 1 Corinthians 13, though I speak with the tongues of men and angels, but have not love, I've become sounding brass or a clanging symbol. If you can, you can give all the rules, dictates, you can say all the things, but if you don't have love, you're just making noise, right? When our freedom is used to love, freedom is protected and it is cultivated. So when we use our freedom to love, it is protected and cultivated. Um, one of the things that I do when I'm mentoring somebody is we want to find out kind of what are some of your weak points. Like, what are the places where the enemy trips you up the most, right? As a mentor, I want to know, number one, how can I pray? And number two, what kind of safety net do you need in order to grow? So when I'm mentoring somebody, I want to find out where are you most likely to fail, not because I want to judge that. I'm your biggest cheerleader. I want to support you. I'm going to advocate for your success 110%, right? The reason why I want to know is because I also want to make sure that, that maybe we can establish in your life some boundaries that you've never established before because you are unsafe to yourself. Are you with me? But people, especially in this region, buck against any boundary so hard. You're trying to control me. I don't know. Do you want to be free? It's your choice. You get to choose what you want to do. I'm telling you, if you don't, like, so for example, I had a guy come in and struggle, struggle, struggle. I said, you know, you rarely come to church. And I'm telling you, there is something powerful about showing up. There's something powerful about showing up. So maybe you make that your first boundary in your life. If I'm in the gutter on Saturday night, I'm showing up to church hungover Sunday morning. Whatever's happening in your world, show up. Create a boundary. Non-negotiable. Meek and I made some non-negotiable boundaries when we were dating. And it caused us to have a great relationship. Huh weird. (laughs) I don't think we would have got married if we hadn't made some very hard boundaries about our purity in our, in our, in our dating time, right? We just, it was non-negotiable. It wasn't an option. We need to start looking at, at boundaries for safety, not control. It's the spirit in you that goes, that does, I don't like that. That feels controlling, right? That's the spirit you got to deal with in you. 
Because God, is this for my safety? Is this for my benefit? Right? Let the Lord speak to you on that. Because oftentimes, he's like, well, you know this is your problem. Why would you not deal with it? And you're like, but I want it my way. That's the perverted pride that I'm talking about. Yep, yep. We won't come under, we won't, we won't walk alongside, we won't even allow somebody to even suggest a boundary in our life because of our pride and arrogance. Okay. All right. Let's see. All right. 2 Corinthians 3.17, now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is. When God shows up, people feel free, and freedom should be the natural result of our gatherings. Freedom should be the natural result of our gatherings. When God shows up, people are set free. We must create a safe place to discover who we are and why we are here. Now, let me tell you, the word safe place scares people nowadays, okay? Because I'm like, you know, we're like, okay, does this mean that we are gonna, we're going to just believe people in their delusion blindly and call it a safe place? No. The whole point of the boundary is to deal with reality, right? right? Guess what? You're being mentored you come alongside somebody or maybe you're mentoring somebody and you say, hey, here's a boundary that I think would be really good for you. I think that you just need to serve somewhere. Just serve somebody, somewhere, right? One of the biggest problems that, that we have, uh, I think, in our spiritual growth is a lack of self-discipline. So maybe there's a way that we can actually like pick something and have to be accountable to do something and call that a boundary for my personal growth. Okay, just throwing it out, there's just an idea. Okay, just throw, I, I know I stepped on somebody's toes there, but I, you know, we're just, just saying, it's an option. Here's the thing. If you struggle with self-discipline and you don't show up one week, guess what? The people who are taking responsibility with you should contact you and say, hey, what's up? I missed you this week. What's happening in your world? What's going on with you? Because this, this, there's this commitment that you made and you're struggling in your ability to follow through with your commitment. Are you okay? What does that do? It causes you to hopefully rise. It causes you to come up to a place that you haven't been before. Maybe you can be honest with them and say, I'm struggling. Instead of giving me a thousand and one excuses about traffic and sandpoint. Are you kidding me? You know what I'm saying? So, we must create a safe place to discover who we are and why we are here. All right. Um, we're, first step is doing gifts assessments now, okay? So, first step is doing a gifts assessment because we want to know kind of what your gift mix is. And for all of you who went through first step leadership and you didn't do a gifts assessment, I know that Darcy's small group, Darcy and Richard's small group, did a gifts assessment. We would love to get those forms and find out what your gift is. If you want to take that gifts assessment, we're going to have a stack of those out ready for you next week. Okay? So, um, and, and I'd love to get those back from everybody just to find out, you know, what is it that God has is, God is put in you that you need to get out, 
right? Because I want to be able to find out who you are. Why are you here? What is God's plan and his purpose on your life? So we're going to use some simple tools to try and draw some of that out. Okay. Fear leads to control. Honor leads to freedom. Fear leads to control. Honor leads to freedom. Are you guys seeing this? Okay. So here we've got honor and love. And then down below, there's some arrows. Honor and love lead to safety and connection. Honor and love leads to safety and connection. Fear and withholding equals control and manipulation. Fear and withholding leads to control and manipulation. Do you want to know what's hard about control and manipulation? Is it's usually you're doing it while you're deceived. Most of the time you're operating in it, you don't even know that you're doing it. Right? So we have to step back a little bit and think about what's in my heart. Am I withholding myself? I've got all the great justifications. I've got all the great defenses on why I'm doing what I'm doing. The minute that you realize, like, like God prompts you to do something, and you realize you just ran through your list of justifications, you're deceived. Well, they didn't talk to me this way, or they did this, or they, oh, you're deceived. Stop. Whoa, God's asking you to do something. End of story. That's it. Like all the reasons why you're withholding yourself and you're not pouring into the relationship and the, you know, the reason why you're trying to control what happens next is out of a deception, right? Because you actually are afraid. You just don't know it. Fear and control, fear and withholding leads to control and manipulation, on one side, you have very powerful people who know how to operate with honor and love and build safety and connection. And over here, you've got powerless people who operate with fear, withholding, control, and manipulation. You guys doing okay? Let the Holy Spirit speak to you, right? All right. The essence of love is safety and connection. If people don't feel safe to be themselves and don't feel a sense of connection with those around them, it's hard to convince them that they are in a loving place. <laughs> the essence of love is safety and connection. Let me, let me tell you how powerful people work together. Honor. Honor holds powerful people together. And honor brings powerless people into power. It actually set honor sets powerless people free from being powerless and it creates an environment of safety and love where they now can feel connected and they gain the power and the freedom that God set them free for to have. Um, we must establish that this is what God wants for his people to have a safe place and to be connected. Would you agree with that? God wants us to have a safe place and to feel and be connected, have a deep connection with one another, 
okay? How many of you, if I called you tomorrow, would get a lump in your stomach of, oh, no, what I do? It's true. I've called people just to check on them, and they're like, what? What? Pastor's calling me. What'd I do? Okay, I am not your vice principal. I love you. If I want to connect with you, it's because I want to connect with you. I hate that people assume that I'm only calling to correct them. It makes me really upset, honestly, because that means that you're absolutely powerless. You're a victim before I've even opened my mouth. You have no idea. And if there is something that needs to be addressed, guess what? I'm going to want to find out what's happening for you. Why? Because I actually care about you. You know, most drama that comes across my desk, I don't do anything with. It's not my place. I am not your judge. I'm not the arbiter of what is good and evil in this place. I am a shepherd. I'm going to pray. If something needs to be addressed, we'll, we'll take a look at it, but it's always in love. It's never to control you or manipulate you. We also have a view of God that leads to control, right? As if he is patient, but he's on the verge of anger. And that's not our God. I love Isaiah 54.10. That word there says safety. It came out looking funny, but whatever. Um, Isaiah 54.10 says this. This is all in um, a, a lengthy um, prophecy about the Messiah, okay? This is part of the co- context of the Messiah. It says, For the mountains shall depart and the hills be removed, but my kindness shall not depart from you, nor shall my covenant of peace be removed. What's the covenant of peace, right? The, the word peace there is shalom. Do you know the first primary definition of shalom is safety? Did you know that? Right? We think of shalom as health and wholeness, but its first meaning is safety. So we must maintain a top priority of government in the church to embrace and empower free will and free choices, good and bad but we must understand that we have to create an environment of safety in order to honor it. And I've already talked about why we have certain rules in place. They're all safety issues, not performance issues. We're not going to elevate somebody who's really immature in the faith to the pulpit. Will you stand with me as we kind of close out our time? I know this is a little teachy, um, um, and it's not ooh-ah, you know, Pentecostal, bring the heat, preaching. I'm aware. But I do believe that we have to make a dramatic shift on how we view each other and how we treat each other. You are not powerless, and you are not a victim. I'll say it again. You are not powerless, and you are not a victim. 
You are not powerless and you are not a victim. I'll say it one more time. You are not powerless and you are not a victim. God has set you aside to become a powerful people who know how to love well, who know how to love each other in such a manner that everyone is free to make their choices however they see fit. If Lois, heaven forbid, chose to walk away from her faith, she has the freedom to do so, and I need to treat her as if she didn't even know Christ. You know what that means? I got to love her even more into the kingdom. She needs to know that she's safe if she's struggling with her faith, that she's not going to get judgment and criticism from leadership, that she's going to have people coming alongside her and saying, you know what? I've been there too. Come on, sister. Let's do this together. I believe in you. It is not a joke when we say that we love you and there's nothing you can do about it. We want to honor who you are, Chris Eastley. We want to honor all the things that God has put in you, all the gifts that you have yet to discover that you're going to pour out onto the whole body of Christ. I want to honor that. I want to find that out. I want to honor who you are. God is positioning us for revival, church. We are not, I I am just, this is the warning. If we are unwilling to honor one another in the good and the bad, we are no different than the world. Disappointments come. Jesus even said offenses will come. But what you do with that offense is 100% up to you. How you choose to respond, whether you pick it up or not, that's up to you. People are going to disappoint you. I know I will disappoint you. Many of you are here and I've disappointed you multiple times. I praise God for your grace. I praise God that you still believe and see in me what the Lord has said. And that's the honor that we have for one another. God wants to transform the way that we're doing relationships and he wants honor to come to the forefront, which has nothing to do with what you do for me, Deanne. I can honor you regardless of what you do for me. If you never prayed for me, if you never served on a team, if you never did anything else, even if you quit coming, I'm going to love you and I'm going to honor you. We have to remove this weird dynamic that says that love is a tit-for-tat relationship. It is not, I'm only going to do for you if you do something for me. No, we have to reject that wholesale. We love and we honor because it is who we are and it is what we do. Will you guys put your hands on your heart this morning? Heavenly Father, I just ask right now for every person with their hand on their heart that you would just begin to flood them with your love for them, that they would encounter and receive how much you love them. Father, all of the love that we have to pour out is the fruit and the result of your loving us. All the grace that we can give is from your grace given to us. So may we posture our hearts this morning to receive your grace, to receive your love, to receive clarity uh, on, God, what you are trying to do in this place. And Father, I thank you that you've set up 
boundaries. You've set up places for us to stay safe. You've set up places for us to be open and vulnerable without getting stabbed in the back. Father, I I don't know how to lead free people. God, only you do. So we're asking God that you would flood the leadership of this ecclesia, of this church with your wisdom. Flood each person here with the wisdom and the discernment to know what is truth and what is error. To know, God, that, that you never want them to sin. You never want them to be bound to a false identity, bound to things that do not honor you. So, Father, I'm asking in Jesus' name that that you would set people free this morning. Father, forgive us for our pride and our judgments that have caused us to often stray from you, that have often put us against you, because your word says that you oppose the proud. And our pride has just gotten in the way so often to what you want to do, God. So we repent for the pride that's been in our hearts. We ask God that you'd forgive us. Father, we are so grateful. We're so grateful for what you're doing in our lives. Teach us what it means to have this culture, to put a priority on safety and connection, to put a priority, God, on loving the way that you love. We thank you for what you're doing in our hearts. Father, I pray for every person that's being prodded, that knows that there's some things underneath their surface with control and with manipulation. God, I pray right now that your love would just cover them, that you would fill them up with your love and that they would receive forgiveness, that they would receive an empowerment to be honest about their behavior, to see clearly, God. And we thank you that that you are setting us up for such a powerful move of God that transforms the face of this region. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Thank you for joining us today. Harvest Valley Worship Center is called to be a refuge for healing and a launch pad for transformation. If this message impacted you today, please let us know in a comment, or you can email us at media at hvwc.com. Thank you for joining us, and we look forward to connecting with you.